0: Good morning, church. I pray this message finds you well. Just as a reminder, uh, not only will we not be having services uh, today on Sunday, but we will also be canceling all activities this week, and we'll update you uh, at the middle to end of next week regarding uh, subsequent Sundays and future activities. But I just wanted to bring you a brief message from God's Word. Um, Today is entitled, Clinging to Christ Amidst COVID-19. I miss being with you face to face, we just have to acknowledge this is unique and weird um, and we just are asking what in the world is going on. Um, but just to reiterate, um, in order to love our neighbors and as we consider um, the stress on our health care system and to honor what the government has uh, recommended, we do believe it is best to take these precautions in the midst of what is now a global pandemic. That's a phrase I never thought I would say, <clears throat> and it does just make us beg the question, what in the world is going on? Um, it's easy just to look at our current situation uh, and uh, simply regard this as natural pain. Uh, COVID-19 is growing uh, to, now there's 10 cases here in Wake County, over 20 in our state. Um, the stock market has taken dives we have, haven't have seen since the 80s. Um, now schools are being canceled all over our area. Uh, Many companies asking their employees uh, to work from home, uh, some even having to close, and all this just natural stuff. We just begin to look at it, and we are saying, what is happening? Um, What happens is our life begins to change. Our routine begins to be uh, flipped upside down. This is not just a vacation. This is not just time for us to catch up on Netflix shows or play more board games or work around the house to accomplish all of our different um, projects that we might have. All those, these can be a part of the journey. I hope they are for many of you, but I don't know about you, but when my routine is blown up, um, it disturbs me. It, It disorients me. It can create laziness or a lack of discipline, even a foothold for areas of temptation. And so I find when my routines are blown up, I can become more irritable. Um, I can lose the discipline I have in the morning or evening. I can get more fatigued and less motivated to spend intentional time discussing the Word with my family or others. And I just pray that we don't waste this virus. It is so helpful to consider this most important truth, that God is at work right now. This is not just natural, but God is at work Life is not on pause as much as it feels like it is. Actually, God is shaping us, just as he was before the virus disrupted our lives. But God is speaking to us, probably in some louder ways, now seeking to wake us up to some realities that may have slipped to the periphery or maybe out of sight altogether. The summary here today is that God is doing something. What is he doing? Well, thousands of things. Um, We don't know some of them. We might not ever know some of them, but I think there are at least four things that we do know. And that's what I want to spend our time on today. Four things that we do know. If you have a Bible, there's four different passages we're going to be looking at today. Um, Isaiah 40, Psalm 139, Exodus 9, and Psalm 27. You might even hit pause as I get to each one of these, have different people uh, open up their Bible in your home, Uh, To these passages, and you can either follow along as I read them or even pause to read them out loud yourself. But let's just dive in. There are four things that we do know God is doing in the midst of these uncertain times. Number one, He is reminding us of the fragility of humanity. The fragility of humanity. Humanity is weak, and God wants us to remember who we are. Our power is limited. Our God is not. Our bodies are dying, whether by virus or by accident or by old age. Our bodies are dying, but our God is living and active. And Isaiah 40 reminds us of the contrast between us and God. The fragility of our lives and the limits of our strength compared to the supply and power of our God. Let's listen. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31 say this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. That's us. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. You see the contrast there. We get weak. We get weary. We get faint-hearted. Our strength decreases. He's the exact opposite. It even goes on in verse 30 to say, Even youths shall faint, even the young ones shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we look at the news and we see country after country unable to control this virus, even the strong and mighty ones, the ones with the most resources, unable to escape this virus or control its spread, surely this wakes us up to our limited abilities and our need for something greater than ourselves to rescue us. Humanity is, in all of its kindness, in all of its resources, in all of its power or might, cannot stop this disease, nor provide an answer to how to handle death. We are weak, And there are times when the mightiest of us have no might, when the strongest of us, we even faint. Fragility, it either freaks us out (laughs) or we begin to grope for something firm. There's two responses to fragility. We either freak out in anxiety or we grope for something firm. And in the midst of this virus, as it exposes our fragility, God is reminding us there's only one person strong enough hold us only one who is firm God is reminding us that in the midst of our fragility there is a God who did not run from the brokenness of sickness and disease but instead he walked this disease ridden world for us he healed the lame and the sick revealing his power over sickness and then he conquered the greatest of enemies sin Satan even death itself by rising from the dead. The gospel story encourages us more in the solidity and answers found in the Christian worldview, and it infuses our fear with hope that our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of David, the prophets, the God of the 12 apostles, the God of the early church, the God of believers up to the present day who have gone through all of this pestilence and other viruses and these kind of things, our God has told us that we are fragile, fainting, decaying, dying, but take heart, he has come into our fragility to remind us he is with us, he is enough, he is greater than, and he has conquered all of our greatest fears. Our response to our fragility is to trust not in ourselves, but to run to him and to call out to him to trust him in these darkest times. So not only does this virus scream that we are fragile and weak, it also shows us the brokenness of humanity, the brokenness of our world. And as Christians, we know it's the grossness of sin that's broken the world. And this brokenness speaks. If we listen, we can hear it. We can hear brokenness speaking to us about some other things God is doing. It's God speaking. And brokenness, here's the second thing that God is doing. Brokenness begs for lamenting love. This virus shows us that God is leading us to lament in love. Lament, lamenting is prayer in pain, according to one author, Mark Vagrapp. Lamenting is prayer in pain. To be honest, until the past year or two, I didn't even really know what lament was. I could say the word, but I wasn't sure exactly what it meant or how to live it out. One third or more of the Psalms seemed almost irrelevant or at least confusing. However, I'm a different person. Facing unfamiliar depths of pain face to face has helped me, among other things, to learn the importance of weeping and especially weeping for others' pain. It's in this season of suffering and uncertainty globally we should lament for the brokenness of our world and for the pain that others endure. The pain of sickness, the pain of isolation and quarantine, the pain of anxiety, the pain of lost wages for some, especially those hourly workers, low-income workers, the pain of vulnerability of being further exposed the pain of losing loved ones, the pain of facing uncertainty without Christ. These pains are real. And although there are some answers, it's okay. It's okay not to bring those answers immediately to the forefront, but to bring empathy and prayers of pain to God. The psalmist in Psalm 139 is found confessing. Found confessing that God's providence, his presence, better said, is always with us. He pursues us. He never leaves us. But the psalmist is found right in the middle, around verse 10, 11. He refers to darkness, which in that is either times of David's personal sin has led into darkness, or it's just times of deep sadness and hopelessness. Either way, it's darkness to David. And David is taking his pain and his thoughts to the Lord. And he says in Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12, he says this, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. And then he goes on, even the darkness is not dark to you, O God. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. What is he saying? There are times that life just feels dark. And sometimes we think God is not in that darkness. The darkness has eclipsed him, that God can't find us there. Even in the brightest of moments when you're really down, those brightest of moments can seem like night to us, as the psalmist articulates. Dark, depressing, scary times. Maybe these times our hearts can scream like this, that this is darkness. But it's in the midst of his confession of these feelings of darkness that he confesses things are different for God. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. In our darkness, we know that our darkest of times are light to him for two reasons. Two. Why? One is because he is present. Even in dark times, it is light to him because he is light and he is present. If he is with us, hope is present. So in the midst of all of our fears, in the midst of whatever we are feeling and might describe even these times as dark times, we have to remember they are still light to him because he is present. Hope is present. The second thing is that our deepest pains, our deepest pains are sun rays of redemption because our God sees and knows and controls the end. He knows that these dark times are producing a proven character and an endurance, a building of our faith, a correcting of our perspectives, and shaping of our desires, and filling us with love, and readying us for mission. He knows the bigger picture, and he has designed the point of our pain. So even the darkest moments that we weep in are places of hope because our Savior is present. Hebrews thirteen six. He'll never leave us. And we know that his purposes are sure, Job 42. None of them can be thwarted. So in the midst of whatever we might call this, times of darkness, remember that even our times of darkness are light to God, which means he's always present and he's always got a purpose. He's always working for us and not against us as his children. So what do we do? What is God leading us to do in the midst of this? It is to lament. Lamenting is a form of vulnerability, but when you lament for others, it's a form of love. So remember, lament is prayer and pain. He wants us in the midst of our pain to share our feelings, just to be raw with how we're feeling in the midst of this, whether it be fear or sadness or despair. But also he wants us to lament for others' pain, those who are sick, those who are struggling, those who don't have hope. He wants us to lament for them. Lament is an is an expression of love. And so we need to consider, we need to consider how to love others in the midst of this virus. God is calling us to love. In the midst of many pandemics throughout the the history, throughout the ages, the church has stood out as a beacon of light in the midst of these times. So one thing God is calling us to do is to lament in love, to be agents of love where we are. It could be helping those who've lost wages, providing meals, or trying to care for them in creative ways. It has been that we would cancel certain gatherings so that we can love the vulnerable among us and support our health care system and our government's recommendations. But it can also mean that we pray. We pray diligently. This is something families can do together. Pray for the sick to recover. Pray against the spread of the virus. Pray that we are the church and we would be seen for our love. Pray for Jesus to be treasured more by those who are suffering and who are confused. Pray that we would be gospel proclaimers and that God would open up opportunities. Pray for a remedy to be found soon. Pray, pray, pray. Paul Miller says this about prayer. I found it so encouraging as we think about God leading us and inviting us to pray. He says this, The little child that jesus urges us to become is completely dependent upon his parents for everything what do i lose when i have a praying life i lose independence and control but what do i gain friendship with god a quiet heart the living work of god in the hearts of those i love the ability to roll back the tide of evil essentially i lose my kingdom And I get his. I move from being an independent player to a dependent lover. I move from being an orphan to a child of God. Oh, that this virus would cause us to hear God's voice, to hear his invitation to pray. Prayers of lament, prayers of love, and that other actions would accompany our prayers. Actions of love. God is also speaking not only of our fragility. He is not also speaking and inviting us into lamenting love, but he is also reminding us to repent. Brokenness begs for repentance. This season is calling for repentance. One word in the Bible uh, that uh, is used to describe disease on a wide scale is pestilence. Um, a dictionary, a definition of this is, Pestilence is defined as a contagious or infectious epidemic disease that is virulent, virus-type, and devastating. It is interesting that the majority of the time this word is used in the Bible is when God is bringing judgment upon a people or a nation. One example is Exodus 9 Verses 13 through 17. Exodus 9, 13 through 17. The word of God says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is an interaction between Moses and Pharaoh, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, And on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now, I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, with COVID-19, with disease. And you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself, Pharaoh, against my people and will not let them go. What is the point of this passage? God is reminding us that he can bring virus and he can stop viruses as he pleases. In this case, the virus was mentioned as an option by God to judge Pharaoh or the people of Egypt. He was withholding that for a season because he was going to use Pharaoh to show off his great power. But if they didn't repent, he would send a plague. The point is, God's sovereign control and sometimes design of pestilence is to lead people to repentance. We also see it in Numbers 14, 11 through 12. Now, this is when people can rush to what they think I'm saying and not listen to what I'm saying. I am not saying that the people who get COVID-19 are being judged for their sins and that those who don't get it are getting a pass. I am saying that we are witnessing firsthand the brokenness of our world caused by sin. And that brokenness is speaking. It is speaking about what God is doing. And we cannot overlook that COVID-19 is not just meant to make us aware of our fragility, and our need to lament and love, but it's also speaking of our need to repent. That repentance could be over specific sins, over our lust or greed or bitterness or lying or jealousy or foul mouths or lazy lives or loss of love for others. It could be that we need to repent because we just, there's a surrender that needs to happen, just a general sense of surrendering more. Or it could be just a turning to him in greater depth and earnestness. Whether specific sins or deeper surrender or more desperation for him, the message is the same. You see it in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, that repentance is the gateway to refreshment. And God is inviting us to refreshment. Even in the midst of these dark times, these uncertain times, He's speaking to us, inviting us to receive refreshment through the gateway of repentance. One of my sons showed me an Instagram post by KB, a Christian rapper, where he literally in the Bible highlighted, or he found a picture, highlighted James 4, 7. And it says this, wash your hands, you sinners. And the caption was, word of God, speak. And I laughed out loud because it was like, okay, look at what God's saying. He's saying to wash your hands, people. But then I thought about it after a little bit, and I was like, what does that verse mean? And James is using this image of the need to wash our hands to describe our need for repentance. So part of God's activity amidst this virus, and part of our activity to keep this virus away is found in hand washing. It's almost like a living drama that for 20 seconds you are taking to wash your hands each time. We can make it count, not just to wash away this virus, but to turn our souls to the living God in prayer. Asking God to draw us deeper into his presence, to say, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, draw me into your presence. Oh, God, make me more like you. And so I'm just laying out here that part of the message of this season is that God would lead us to wash our hands, both physically, sure, but spiritually. And the many times he gives us physical images to create some spiritual heart work. And so I'm praying that the Holy Spirit awakens us in this season to his presence but also the presence of sin in our lives. Sometimes of its great silent danger that it is working within us and God is seeking to expose that and to bring us into a deeper relationship with him. Finally, he's speaking about the brokenness in our physical world. He's also, this brokenness is speaking, number four, giving us one more opportunity to trust in our certain savior in uncertain times. It's an opportunity to trust. God is leading us to trust. He's reminding us of fragility, leading us to loving lament, leading us to repent, and here he's leading us to trust. In the midst of this time, fear can grip us. Fear comes when we can't control an outcome or because we don't know what an outcome will be. When we don't when we can't control an outcome or we don't know what an outcome will be. Surely that applies here. We don't know if we or a loved one will be exposed or will even get this sickness. However, when God says, do not fear in the scriptures, he's not being insensitive to our pains, nor is he underestimating or unaware of the severity of our situation. No, instead, he calls us to faith and not fear, to hope and not panic, because he knows all things. He loves us deeper than we even love ourselves. He is with us, In every uncertain situation. And Psalm 27 reminds us that He is our stronghold. He only is our rock. He is our refuge. And He is the certainty that we need in uncertain times. And He can be trusted. Listen to Psalm 27, verses 1 to 4. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, or we might say, though viruses come against us, yet I will be confident. Why? Because he's already told us, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? He is the stronghold of our life. So then, bizarrely, David says, I've got one prayer. And it's not that the army moves and it's not that the war doesn't come, although those are other prayers that he prays. He's saying, one thing I have asked of the Lord and that I will seek after, verse four, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We can agree with the psalmist that the Lord is our light. He is our rock. He is our certainty. And then we can accept the invitation into his presence that there's one thing we need in the midst of this time. One thing this virus is calling out for us to do that we need the presence of the living God. We need to be still and wait for the Lord. Part of this time is stillness with God. He is calling us to be with him, to dwell in his presence, to gaze upon his beauty, to seek and inquire in ways that maybe we would not have done were this virus not to be speaking to us, i.e. God speaking to us on all these different things that he wants to teach our heart. So I encourage you, don't allow the disruption of your routine to drive you to despair or to laziness or or indifference to loving others. Instead, allow this virus to remind you that God is at work. This is not just natural, but God is at work. He is doing something. He is reminding us of our fragility and yet His sure strength. He is reminding us of our need to lament and to love, but also of His love for us, His desire to hear our pains, and His love to answer our prayers. He's also reminding us of our need for repentance, but also his cross-demonstrated love to forgive us. And he's also reminding us of the opportunity we have right now in the midst of fear to stand out differently, that we trust our God, that he is sovereign, he is in control, he is with us, he is our light in the midst of darkness, he is our stronghold in the midst of attack, therefore we cannot fear, we can be confident. I pray that God would free us up in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our lives, in our hearts, to trust Christ and to live longing lives for Jesus that changes the world. I hope you have a great Sunday. I look forward to hearing stories from this season, no matter how long it is, stories of answered prayers, deepened trust, and astounding works of God through us, his people. Grace to you. Have an amazing Sunday.